When you talk about Sweet Fantasy Podcast, what you're talking about is Fantasy Friday here at Fangraphs Audio. I am Carson Sestouli, Fangraphs contributor and occasional destroyer on this particular edition of Fangraphs Audio. We reach out to the gentlemen of Rotographs, in this particular case, Mr. Zach Sanders and newcomer, Mr. Mike Axisa. We go about things in sort of an interesting way today. Instead of looking at a position-by-position breakdown or maybe injury alerts, instead we look at three teams featuring players of some fantasy interest. In this particular case, Kansas City Royals, the Houston Astros, and the Texas Rangers. More specifically, we look at hot starts by Jose Guillen and Scott Pitsednik. We look at the wide-ranging effects of Houston's mediocrity. And finally, Zach Sanders pretends to hate Colby Lewis. All of this and more white-hot analysis on this edition of Fangraphs Audio. Welcome once again to Fangraphs Audio, and welcome once again to the Rotograph edition of Fangraphs Audio. I am joined today by two intrepid Rotograph contributors around this incredibly round table. Uh, The one gentleman... Here to my left, he's a member of the Left Coast Contingent of Fangraphs slash Rotographs. He's a contributor to Baseball Daily Digest, and his name is indeed Zach Sanders. Mr. Sanders, how are you? I'm pretty good, Carson. How about yourself? Are you, you're not laughing at me, are you? No, of course not. Okay, good. It sounded a little bit like maybe you were laughing at me. Only with you. Only with me. Very good. And uh, hey, this is excellent, too, because today we get to introduce... Um, not just uh, someone who's new to the pod, but someone who's relatively new to Rotographs. His name is Mike or Michael Axisa. Did I get that right, sir? Yes, you did. That's good. And you are joining us, uh, I understand, I think from the great city of, of New York. Is that is that the case? That is the case. Okay, good. So I'm not uh, I'm not too far off. Well, good. This is good. This is uh, this is becoming a ritual. Uh, this this uh, Fantasy Friday situation. Um, of course, uh, I won't mention at all that we're recording it on a Wednesday, and uh, as we're recording it, Colby Lewis is having an, an excellent game. I would never do anything like that. Uh, we are going to take what I think is kind of a, a fun approach to the pod today, which is to sort of look at three teams in particular and to see the ways that um, certain certain things are going down, as the kids say, on those particular teams, or uh, as we'll find out with their ballparks and how that might affect um, some of the players in that team or certain per- certain players uh, playing time for example let's start uh, well let's start with um, with a podcast veteran we'll start with you Mr. Sanders and i think that that you maybe had some observations to make some questions to ask about the Royals the Kansas City Royals um, what what's going on over there in the in the great middle west and uh, is it going to keep going on Right, as uh, as well as our uh, readers and listeners know, you know, Fangraphs has not exactly been high on the Royals in our analysis, but they've actually had some players do some nice things this year so far, with guys like uh, Scott Podsednik. I mean, he's hitting 452 right now with the time of taping. He's six for six in stolen bases. Uh, 80% of his balls in play are actually either on the ground or line drives, and so he's really allowing himself to use his speed to reach base. And while he's not going to hit 452 all year, obviously. His average could still be very good, and since he's getting playing time, he could steal 30 bases again uh, easily without any problem. Another guy that I like in Kansas City so far has been Jose Guillen, who has been in some trouble in the past with different teams, but he's not a big guy we expected to have a good year coming in. But he's hitting 313 right now despite a 240 BABIP. 
He's got five home runs, but he also has a 28% home run per uh, fly ball rate, which is not exactly sustainable for him. And so his value is also to come down throughout the year. But the power, he could see 25 home runs, maybe, but 20 home runs, more like where we had him at the start of the year, I'd say is more likely. And the third guy I want to get to is Chris Getz, who came over from the White Sox this offseason. Um, he stole three bases so far. Uh, his average is not good, but he's got some bad luck there. So he'll probably come up to about 275 for most of the year. He's walking more so far. But the problem is, once Alex Gordon returns, will he be the everyday second baseman with Alberto Caspo maybe shuffling over there and taking most of his playing time? But if he can stay the starter, 25 steals, a 275 average, is not bad for your starting second baseman. Yeah, so let's actually uh, let's start let's start with the last fellow there, Mr. Chris Getz. Um, with him, what what are his eligibilities like from from what you know, uh, Sanders? Last year, all he played was second base for the White Sox, and so he should only have second base eligibility in your league. Okay, and and you mentioned the playing time. You mentioned Kiaspo and Gordon. Um, I also think uh, that maybe is is uh, is Mike Avila still a part of that team, or is has he been um, rendered useless once again? I believe he was optioned down right before the season started, but I'd worry about him more as taking time at shortstop than I worry about second base. And now, so when uh, when Alex Gordon does make his triumphant return, how do you see things working out? I mean, if Chris Getz continues to produce, do you see, you know, what would sort of be the 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 worst case scenario for the fantasy owner, a timeshare between the three of those guys? Do you see Gordon just taking the third base position for himself, and then Kiaspo? And uh, and gets platooning over at second or you know some other permutation. Well, I'd say the best case is Gordon taking over third, Kiaspo actually taking Unieski Betancourt's job at shortstop and allowing Getz to stay at second. But my gut tells me that Gordon will get the third base job, and there'll probably be some kind of platoon or short-term battle over the second base position with Kiaspo and Getz. Okay. Hey, Mike. Uh, just with regard to the Royals here and what Sanders is saying, you know, do you have any faith in uh, you know guys like Scott Pitsendek and Jose Guillen? Continuing to produce, I mean, I mean, you know, I guess more power to them if they're getting playing time and money for playing baseball. That's excellent for them. But we've identified them certainly on Fangraphs uh, more than once as players who probably aren't worthy of full-time roles. Are they worthy of a of a roster spot on your fantasy team? Uh, well, while they're hot, you know, anybody's kind of worth a roster spot while they're hitting. But but Sidnick has never been much of a hitter in his career, and I don't expect him to maintain, you know, he's got an OPS over 1,000. That's not going to last. <laughs> if he plays every day, you know he's going to steal a ton of bases and get 20, 30, something like that. Jose Guillen is kind of an interesting guy because we know he swings at everything, and he's really, you know, he really shouldn't be playing every day. But he has been a productive player in the past for fantasy. He's had a bunch of, he's had a 30 home run season, a bunch of RBIs, and it is a contract year, so he is playing for a new contract. So maybe he keeps it up a little bit longer than you would uh, than you would normally expect. I actually just picked him up for my team. Uh, I picked him up yesterday because Jason Worth is hurt, and he's hit two home runs since I picked him up. So I'm kind of loving Jose Guillen right now. I wouldn't expect him to stay up at this pace, but I wouldn't be surprised if he has a better year this year than he would than he has you know the last two or three years. Yeah, you know what's interesting about these two players, Pitsednik and, and Jose Guillen, uh, this reminds me of a conversation that uh, we had on the pod here maybe a week or two ago now. Uh, it was uh, between myself, uh, Matt Klaassen, and Eno Saris, and we were discussing some players who are actually 
you know, considerably better fantasy plays than they might be actual ball players. And typically this is going to be players with poor plate discipline or, you know, in the case of Pitsednik, maybe players who've posted high stolen base totals but also high caught stealing totals. Um, it, it, uh, it seems like probably the Royals are particularly good at getting this sort of player. Uh, Sanders, I guess I'll ask you uh, just before uh, we move on here, do you, do you think Pitsednik and Guillen stand a chance of uh, – not necessarily maintaining this level, but maintaining a level of rosterability throughout the season. I think Podsenic will always have that ability just because, like you said, he steals bases and those guys are very valuable in any league because steals are so scarce. But I think people are eventually going to see that Gein's probably not going to have this power rate and his average, he's probably not going to hit 300. So at some point you got to decide that while he's hot now, maybe try to trade him away and get value while you can. Otherwise, you're going to have to drop him sooner or later. Okay. So uh, let's leave, how about, the uh, the great middle west of this country, and let's move, uh, I don't know how many miles south it would be, if it's 500, 1,000. Uh, I'm not a cartographer. I'm only a, a pod host. Uh, Mike, you uh, are have sort of some questions to ask of the Astros, and not as, well, I think we've all asked questions of the Astros, and particularly Ed Wade. Uh, one of them is, what are you doing, might be one of them. But uh, a second question you might ask just in general is you know is it worth it at this point to roster even one Astro uh, maybe that's not necessarily the case with their starting pitchers um, although there is a, a trickle down effect as I think you might uh, you, you might tell us about but especially in the offensive side of the ball what's going on there is, is even one guy worth it yeah I think coming into the year we all knew the Astros they weren't going to be very good you know you guys have graphs you had them last in the organizational rankings I don't think we expected them to be this bad. They haven't won a game yet, you know, as we're recording this. And while we've recorded, they've managed to take a lead in the game and blow it. So <laughs> they've done that in the last five minutes. But uh, Their offense is, it's like non-existent. As a team, they walked six times. And Jeff Kepinger has three of those walks. That's like, it's, that's unfathomably, unfathomably bad. Mike, would you say that if so, Jeff Jeff Kepinger is is leading the charge for your offense, that, that you you might want to start asking some questions? <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, that's a little ridiculous. So nobody's getting on base, so there's nobody to drive in. So guys like Carlos Lee, who in years past, you know, a big home run and RBI guys, there, there's nobody there for them. And Hunter Pence is another guy. He's got like a 250 OPS right now. I mean, this is. He, he shouldn't be on a roster right now. You know, you expected coming into the year, you figured you'd get 20 something home runs, maybe 80 or 90 RBI, and you got nothing. I mean, absolutely nothing at this point. So, really, you know, Michael Bourne will always have value because, you know, same deal with Potsdamnik. He's going to steal a whole bunch of bases. But, you know, he's getting on base, but he's not stealing. He's got one steal on the year. It's just. For some reason, it's not happening for him right now. All right. Not to say it won't. Yeah, now, and Sanders, Sanders, question to you, uh, or two questions, I guess. One, Hunter Pence, will he finish the season with above uh, 250 OPS? And and if so, you know, whereabouts do you think? And then uh, also, will all of these wrongs be righted when Lance, when Lance Berkman makes his triumphant return to the team? Or is this team uh, still in for it? Well, I think the Astros are hoping that all wrongs be righted when asked uh, when Lance Berkman returns, but I mean they won't. He's not an elite hitter anymore. He's getting older. He's got knee problems. He might not even play that much. And if he does play, not that well this year. I don't think Pence is going to have a 250 OPS this year. I mean that's ridiculous. But the fact right now that I'm looking at he's hit five percent line drives this year. 
albeit a limited sample, but 5% line drives is just not getting the job done. You have to make better contact with the ball. If he can't put it together, I don't see why he couldn't. It's been early. I think he's got a nice track record that shows he's going to get 20 home runs and 10 steals. But this is not a good start, and I can I can understand the skepticism since his team is so bad. The runs and RBIs won't be there either, so he's going to have to do it all for himself. Yeah. Now, Mike, back to you just with regard to the Astros one last time. I'm curious as to as to how you see the effect that this weak offense might have on the pitchers. Um, and, you know, because there are a couple guys there in Wadi Rodriguez, maybe Roy Oswalt. I've also liked Felipe Paulino. Uh, you know, does, but does this bad offense, does it make them unrosterable as well? I wouldn't say they're unrosterable because, you know, Wandy Rodriguez, he should strike out a lot of guys. Roy Oswald should give you a decent ERA and a decent whip, but they're not going to give you any wins. If the team's not scoring runs, they're not going to win games for these guys. And for whatever reason, Wandy Rodriguez is like walking everybody these days. So he's either, you know, if he keeps that up, forget it. There's no point in having him on your roster because then he has no value for you whatsoever. It's too early to give up on these guys. You know, Juan de Rodriguez is, he was a relatively high pick for a pitcher in most drafts. So he's def- they're worth keeping around. But, I mean, if this team keeps playing the way it has, you know, obviously they're not going to go oh for 2010. But if they keep playing this bad, what are you going to get out of their pitchers except for a little bump in ERA and whip? Right. Uh, here, here, uh, Mike. Good points. Now, uh, so that's, uh, let's see. Uh, Kansas City and Houston, I'd say, I think we can all agree, are two teams that uh, are not particularly inspirational. Uh, so before we, uh, you know, we, before we depress ourselves to death here, let's look at a team that actually is kind of exciting this season, both from a, uh, you know, an on-the-field perspective and also from a fantasy, uh, sorry, fantasy perspective, and that's the Texas Rangers. In particular, I'm curious uh, about what you guys might think about Texas's starting pitching. I, I think I've made it pretty clear uh, via my contributions to to uh, the interweb that I heart Colby Lewis big time. Uh, perhaps uh, perhaps it's unsafe now, and uh, I, I I'm not saying that he's going to get necessarily any sort of restraining order against me, uh, but Colby Lewis's lawyers have contacted me for uh, you know in a preliminary way I should say. The thing is, I was in a draft this year, and I took uh, Colby Lewis, C.J. Wilson, and Jorge De La Rosa, and I was sort of mocked with each of those picks, guys uh, saying, oh, you know, you're going to take a Texas pitcher, you're going to take a Colorado pitcher. Now, with regard to a Colorado pitcher, regardless of how good Jorge De La Rosa is, I could still see the point. The thing about Texas is, um, you know, whether you're looking at the park indices in the Bill James handbook for the last three years, or the ones we have at... Uh, fan graphs, there are there are teams. Uh, sorry, I should say there are ballparks that typically allow more runs than the ballpark at Arlington. And those there are some teams there, uh, Arizona, and they play at Chase Field, or the Red Sox at Fenway. Um, you could even make a case maybe for a Carlos Sombrano at Wrigley Field. I'm sure uh, I'm sure people like Jake Peavy as well, and uh, and the Cell also plays uh, as more of an offensive ballpark. You know, fantasy owners, I don't think uh, they don't think twice about rostering those uh, pitchers from those particular teams, and yet with a guy like Rich Harden or Colby Lewis or C.J. Wilson, um, it's not necessarily the quality of the player that's being commented upon. You know, at least this particular draft, it might be a, a small sample, but it's the, it's the, I get the I get the Texas ballpark comment. Let's start with you, Mike. Do you think that there's maybe um, there's sort of an inefficiency to exploit here, pitchers who pitch at Texas, maybe even Colorado? 
because those teams haven't had necessarily great rotations in the past, that we could exploit that for uh, fantasy domination. Oh, sure. I definitely think there is. It's, you know, every time every time I've gone into a fantasy draft the last few years, I've always been kind of worried about taking a guy from Colorado or a guy from Texas or whatever. But it gets to a point where, you know, he might have a his ERA might balloon because he'll give up some more home runs or something, but the strikeouts are still there and the wins will still be there and that has value. Like CJ Wilson, I'm in I'm in a really deep twenty team league and I got him in like the twentieth round this year and I was ecstatic when that happened because you know, I figured even at worst case he goes back to the bullpen and he's kinda of the closer in waiting, you know, if somebody Frank, if Frank Francisco uh, loses his job in the first week or something. Impossible, says Dave Appleman. <laughs> Impossible. <laughs> but I, I definitely think there is, there's definitely a market inefficiency there because, you know, Texas and Coors are obviously hitters' parks, but they're not that extreme anymore. The humidor in in uh, Colorado, it's scaled back the offense a little bit. Texas, I just think the Rangers' pitching has improved that the opponents aren't scoring as many runs anymore. But yeah, there's definitely an inefficiency in there that you could exploit. Yeah. Now, Sanders, a similar question to you. You know, names like um, Harden or or C.J. Wilson or the beloved Colby Lewis. Uh, maybe not Scott Feldman as much. Although, you know, if you want to comment upon him as well, um, I would think that maybe his strikeout numbers make him a little bit less attractive. Are those guys to to go out and pick? Maybe up off a waiver wire, certainly if they're still available. Um, you know, despite the fact that there there have been concerns in the past about uh, you know the ballpark at Arlington. Right, like Mike said, I mean, a lot of it's like if you get strikeout pitchers, the ballpark's not as big of a deal because they make the outs on their own. And I think the misconception has been that these two teams have had bad pitchers recently, and when you have bad pitchers in a park that tends to be hitter friendly, it makes them look even worse. And they look worse, and that people want to stay away altogether. But when you have legitimate pitchers like Rich Harden playing in these parks, guys like Ubaldo Jimenez and De La Rosa in Colorado, they're they're good owned. They're good people to own. I mean, they're not bad pitchers. They just play in a subpar park for their style, maybe, but they're still going to get you strikeouts. They're still going to get you the wins. The R may be a couple points higher, which is not really that big of a deal. I, I like guys like, um, for the Rangers this year, I like Derek Holland if he ever gets called up. He's like a good value. CJ Wilson looks like a good value. I tried to pick him up the other day and He's already gone. Someone already pounced on him. As far as Kobe Lewis goes, well, he's just not very good, so he's not a good value at, at all. Excuse me? What's that? I can't. <laughs> my, apparently, this, uh, my microphone, my earphones are broken. I, uh, okay, all right, continue. Continue. We'll see what the Lord does to you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just guys like that, Kobe Lewis. I'm not, I'm not a Matt Harrison fan either. I'm not a big Feldman guy. But, yeah, you get a legitimate pitcher. It doesn't matter so much what park they play in. They're still a good pitcher. Their numbers just may be a little bit inflated, and, and that's something you do have to watch out for. But it's not worth that that much of a drop in draft value. Right, yeah. Now, as um, as Zach Sanders says those words, it's funny, actually, Colby Lewis is pitching tonight. And just uh, just a couple observations from his stat line. It looks like he's thrown uh, somewhere in the area of four and two-thirds, allowing one hit, uh, three walks, and nine strikeouts. So that's pretty bad. Stay away. Stay away right now, guys. Um but in a more serious, in a more serious fantasy-related side, uh, with regard to um, to the way the ballpark fits, I'm wondering uh, how you feel about the San Diego pitchers because their ballpark, their park indice is so far in the other direction. Does that make someone like like uh, John Garland, who is gonna, not going to necessarily put up great strikeout numbers, uh, Zach? Does that make someone like John Garland rosterable to you? 
I wouldn't say John Garland, but I'd say some of their young, younger pitchers that are more up and coming and guy, established guys like Chris Young. It does help their value because their ERA will stay down. If they're home run type pitchers, it'll keep their home run rates down. But yeah, guys like John Garland aren't ownable anyway, really. So parks don't really help them that much. It's the same thing. If they're a good pitcher, they'll be either helped or hurt a little bit by the park. But it does help the up and coming guys because you know they have the potential to play in a great park which can help their numbers even if it's just a little bit. Right. Okay, and uh, we'll, we'll end with you, Mike. S- a similar question about San Diego. Okay, so maybe not John Garland, but how about uh, Kevin Correa or Matt Latos or, or any other pitcher that comes to mind? Yeah, uh, Latos is a good example. I was going to bring him up because, you know, he's a young guy, very highly touted. He's got the ability to strike guys out. So, you know, even if he played for Texas in their park, he would still have value because he could pick up the strikeouts and, you know, the ERA won't be as inflated because he gets guys out by himself. If you put him in San Diego, his value goes up that much more because when he makes a mistake, it won't be as harmful as if he did in another park. So, Latos is a good example. Correa, I don't know, what, I really don't know what to think about him. I don't know if last year was the, the real him or if, or if he's something completely different. But a guy like that, he could have some value because his ERA will be low because he's playing this huge park. If you you play smart with him and you pick your spots and you know don't play him when you go into a massive when or like a really big offensive park on the road and you don't use him there, that could work to your advantage. But I definitely think you know same thing. You know you got a hitter in Texas and you know it's going to help them. You put a pitcher in Petco, it's going to help and it definitely brings their value up. Okay, great. It does bring their value up, and I have to say that, uh, especially uh, with the addition of Mike Exisa to the uh, pod, the, the value of this particular podcast has gone way up. Uh, it, before it gets too expensive uh, for our listening audience, let's shut it down. But before we do that, I want to say thank you very much to you, Zach Sanders. Thank you very much, Carson. All right, and uh, thank you to uh, to newcomer Mike Exisa. Th- again, thank you for joining us, sir. Thanks, Carson. Okay, this has been the Fantasy Friday edition of Fangraphs Audio. Sarasota where the Marlins fishing never lets up 